A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to Again, Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee into the district of the Decapolis. And people brought him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him off by himself away from the crowd and put his finger into the man's ears and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked to heaven and groaned and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened. His speech impediment was removed and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished and they said, he has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. been here for the last uh, few weeks. We're, we're in the Gospel of Mark right now, but uh, if you know, if you've been here some of the other weeks, we were, uh, year B is walking through the Gospel of Mark, but we kind of had a little bit of a break from Mark, and we read John chapter 6. And so we've been talking about John chapter 6, especially for the Bread of Life discourse, which is what that is. And again, I encourage you to read John chapter 6, family at home. It takes a little bit over five minutes uh, to be able to read, but being able to read that again in context and everything is really important and really helpful. Now, John, we jump back into Mark, but I think that this weekend and next weekend still continue in some ways how we can meditate on the bread of life and what uh, we can learn and take from it. And today I'd like to talk about the bread of life and the way in which it touches us, okay? Um, so we think about, when we think about God, when we think about spirituality, when we think about Catholicism, we might have a, a, um, a tendency towards spiritualizing God's interaction with us, right? Because God is, after all, spirit. He's not one of us. But as Christians, we have a God who is actually one of us, who became human and, and interacts with us, not just in a spiritual way. So it's interesting uh, that we, as Christians, interact with spirituality and interact with God in a very different way than a lot of other religions or a lot of other beliefs. Because we believe that God is not just spirit. God the Father, the Trinity, is spirit. But the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ himself, became human and walked with us. And not just in a symbolic way, but in a real way to touch and interact with us. Now, one of the other interesting things about God is that uh, he, um, he works always in the most fitting way possible. So theologically, we acknowledge that God can work in different ways, right? He could have created the world differently. He could work miracles differently. He can interact with us in different ways. But he always works in the most fitting way. The fitting way, meaning the complexity of the issue, uh, and he works in what also might be said the best way, right? The most fitting way for the situation. 
And with that, we can take a certain amount of understanding of who he is and what he's trying to accomplish and try to unpack a little bit of what he's doing. Now, what we notice is that God, especially uh, Jesus Christ, when he becomes human and, and walks on this world to reveal himself, of reveal who God is, to show us and to teach us more and reveal more about God's love and his intention for our life and how, to, how he wants to help us, we see that Jesus Christ is a healer. And he heals the human person as he walks in this world in many different ways. And we see that Jesus Christ cares about the human body, right? But he's also, we also know that he's concerned about the human soul. That he cares for the human body, uh, not just for the soul's sake, uh, but he knows that the soul is more important. So we often see him interacting and healing the body, and, he, and we see him kind of indicate to be able to reveal who he is to ultimately bring faith in other things. And he interacts with the body because we are body and soul. Okay, so in this healing today, we see him heal in a very specific way. However, we know that he's healed in other ways as well. What other ways do we know that he's healed? Well, sometimes he, uh, the faith of the person saves him. So we see in certain situations where just touching the cloak of Jesus heals the person. We also see in other situations where he actually speaks and is healed. So he, he does this in certain cases, cases of, of people who are lame, who aren't able to walk. He says, pick up your mat and walk. And they pick up their mat and walk. He doesn't have to touch them. He just speaks his word and it's done. We also see that sometimes he heals even at a distance where he'll heal uh, the centurion servant, even though that it's a distance away. He healed just by his very willing it, okay? But then we see at other times that he kind of gets his hands dirty. One of the situations, he actually spits into the dirt, he makes some clay, and then he rubs it and smears it on the person's eyes, right? So we see him doing that. And each situation is a little bit different, but it's the most fitting way to heal, of course. He can heal in many different ways. And today we have a very specific situation of the way in which Jesus heals. Very interesting in its own uh, healing uh, story. And I hope that you noticed how strange it was, okay? I, I always love that about the Gospels. We know the Gospels, but we should take note and say, oh, okay, wow, that's a little bit strange, right? I haven't heard that before. Maybe you've heard it before. But if you kind of imagine it, you're like, oh, that, that is a little bit weird, okay, right? So to kind of get a little bit of the context, he's in the district of Decapolis. And Decapolis is kind of a Greek pagan area. So it's non-Jewish, okay? So he's not interacting with people who have the same Jewish faith. He's interacting with people who are Gentiles, but they know that he's a healer, right? So they don't really care whether they're Jewish or not. They just know that he's a healer. And so they bring this man to him. Now, what's different, again, about this situation in healing, I don't know whether you noticed that, but he actually, he says... They, they, um, they took, he took him off by himself away from the crowd. Now, again, I said sometimes he heals in the midst of the crowd, right? He often does. But this time, he takes the man away from the crowd. And I think that's an important detail because sometimes we need to also leave the crowd in order to be able to be healed as well. 
It's kind of like Jesus says, yep, I need you to remove you from everything else that you've been hearing from the world to a degree. All these kind of different influences, all the things that are coming in at you. And I need you to be pulled aside so that I can interact with you one on one, right? He's caring for this individual. He's taking time out of his day and kind of forsaking everybody else for that one. Then he uh, does the first thing, you know, which I'm sure was a little bit startling for the man. He puts his finger in the man's ears. (laughs) It's kind of a little bit strange, right? If somebody comes up to you and they, you know, okay, he's a healer. So he knows that, okay, well, whatever's happening. So he puts his finger in his ear, but that doesn't really heal his ears right away. Then he does this other really strange thing. It says, and spitting touched his tongue. Now, it's not exactly clear exactly what happens. He didn't spit into his mouth. One of the uh, kind of traditions of the church that kind of took from this to a degree was actually in the uh, more, the extraordinary form of baptism, kind of the baptism uh, that uh, happened in the early 1900s, well, a a long time ago, uh, but changed in the 60s. Before the 60s, uh, the priest actually took a little bit of spittle from his mouth, a little bit of spit, and put it in the baby's mouth. Now, it's not exactly COVID safe, uh, and certainly germs, we wouldn't exactly be that comfortable, and I'm glad that I don't have to do that anymore. Uh, But, you know, there's an intention here that I, I love this kind of imagery that we know that saliva is actually a healing agent, right? And so, of course, saliva has a lot of other things, but scientifically we know that it has this interesting quality that actually has some healing aspects to it. And so Jesus spits, and, and what I kind of imagine is that he takes a little bit of spit and, and puts it on the man's tongue, right? This not only touching, but, but taking his very self and, and giving of it to bring about healing. But even that doesn't complete the healing. Then he has to look up to heaven, right? Look up to heaven, the Father, right? And we know that heaven isn't necessarily above us, but of course there is an intention of lifting our life up, right? Our spirit up by looking up in heaven and groaned, okay? Just imagine, right? Of course Jesus is completely in control here, but yet he heals in the most fitting way. And so he groans. You can just imagine him just this prayer, this groaning. And there's very few words in Aramaic that are preserved in the Gospels. And this is one of them, Ephatha, which means be open. This is such an impactful healing that Ephatha, this Aramaic word that Jesus uses, is so important that it's preserved in the Gospels, which are written in Greek. But this isn't a Greek word, right? This is the word that Jesus used to complete that healing. Be open and immediately then the man's ears and speech impediment was removed. Now, what does that mean for us today? Is it just a nice healing that happened a long time ago? And I think a lot of the times we hear these gospel stories and that's what we think. Wow, Jesus is a healer. Wow, that's really amazing that he did that 2,000 years ago. But we, whenever we hear this, we need to be reminded that the reason why we're hearing it today is because people shared this story. They shared this story because it's an important story, because it speaks not to just 2,000 years ago. It's not just a recount of a story that happened 2,000 years ago, but a way in which Jesus still interacts with us today. Well, what way? He's not walking around putting his fingers in people's ears, right? He's not spitting and putting it in our mouth in the way that he did in this story, 
But he knows, and God works in the most fitting ways. And I think what's really important for us to acknowledge is that we are body and soul. And God wants to continue to interact and bring healing to us in our body and soul by touching us. Not just spiritually in a kind of uh, removed kind of uh, thought process way, but that God became man to touch us physically, interact with our body and soul, not just our soul, but body and soul in our full human person. And as Catholics, we have a response to that. What's the way in which God continues to interact with us in our body and soul, physically touching us? We have the seven sacraments. The seven sacraments are ways in which God today walks on this earth and heals his people by touching them physically with these seven sacraments that he's given us and that have been passed down for the last 2,000 years to continue to bring healing and life to his people. Now, the primary one, or the one that, again, we've been talking about and that we're here today to celebrate is the Eucharist, the bread of life, that Jesus wants to touch us in this bread of life today. In a real and concrete way. It's not just a symbolic touching of our soul. It's not just a spiritual understanding that we have here today. It's not just God willing good for us. But we believe that this is handed on by Jesus 2,000 years ago when he gave us the bread of life discourse in John chapter 6, eat my flesh and drink my blood, that he confirmed it at the Last Supper and said, this is my body, this is my blood, do this in remembrance of me. We have it in the early church writing of St. Paul, who very clearly in the early church community understood the remembrance of the Last Supper is something more than just a symbolic gesture of remembrance. That St. Paul actually warns us not to receive unworthily because we drink, eat, and drink condemnation against the body and blood of God. Right? Why? It's because it's not just a symbolic understanding. They believed in the early church, and we continue to believe today that through the words of the priest, that's specifically handed on through apostolic tradition, that through the words of the priest, through the working of the Holy Spirit, that the, bo- the bread and wine become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Again, not just in a symbolic way, not just in a spiritual way, but in a physical way in a way in which Jesus does continue to touch us and desire to bring healing like he did very fittingly 2,000 years ago. He comes to us again in the most fitting way possible, in the way in which God works today through the Eucharist. Now, I want to give one caveat. The Eucharist is the food for the weak. And the Eucharist does, by the reception, actually Uh, heal us and forgive us of our venial sins. But it's not a sacrament for the dead. It's not a sacrament for the unbaptized. Why? Well, because we actually have other sacraments for that. We have a sacrament of baptism, which 
enters us into the life of grace, which opens us up to the grace to be able to receive here. We have a sacrament for that. If that's the thing kind of stopping us from that, well, we have a sacrament for that. What about a more serious sin that the church kind of talks about mortal sins? A mortal sin is something that we, is, is grave, a grave sin that we know is a grave sin and we commit anyways with, with, full, with, a, with a, a free will. And when we do something that and we reject God in such a way as a mortal way, the church and, and scripture gives that there's, we need to do something more than just say, I'm sorry. And that mortal sin, we talk about that our spirit actually dies to a certain degree. Not uh, that, and so we need something more. Well, guess what? God gave us a sacrament for that. It's a sacrament of reconciliation, of confession. And that's, I, I hear confessions a half an hour before every Mass in the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, which is just through those doors. If you've never visited, it's an awesome little chapel to be able to pray. And in the back, I hear confessions. I have an hour before every Mass because I want us to be able to come here to be able to receive the food that strengthens us, Jesus Christ's healing. But sometimes we need to do other things before to prepare ourselves for that. And so uh, we have those other sacraments where Jesus heals in different ways for different needs. The ordinary means, and I hope that we're all ready to receive the Eucharist today, we're all ready to receive and receive that food for the week so that we might be healed as Jesus Christ healed 2,000 years ago because God desires to give us life. He desires to heal those things that are preventing us from interacting with love with one another. But we need to be open to that. We need to sometimes step away from the crowd and sometimes Jesus needs to do things that we don't completely understand, right? But yet, in faith, in love, in trust of him, we come before him, we avail ourselves to his presence, and also, especially today, in the Eucharist, with his touch.